Well, good evening and uh, welcome to our weekly Bible study. And as you know, we're going through the book of Job and this evening we're going to look at Job chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me and we'll start to read at verse 1 of chapter 17. My spirit is broken, my days are cut short. The grave awaits me, surely mockers surround me. My eyes must dwell on their hostility. Give me, O God, the pledge you will demand. Who else will put up security for me? You have closed their minds to understanding, therefore you will not let them triumph. If a man denounces his friends for reward, the eyes of his children will fail. God has made me a byword to everyone, a man in whose face people spit. My eyes have grown dim with grief. My whole frame is but a shadow. Upright men are appalled at this. The innocent are aroused against the ungodly. Nevertheless, the righteous will hold to their ways, and those with clean hands will grow stronger. But come on, all of you, try again. I will not find a wise man among you. My days have passed, my plans are shattered, and so are the des desires of my heart. These men turn night into day. In the face of darkness they say, light is near. If the only home I hope for is the grave, if I spread out my bed in darkness, if I say to corruption, you are my father, and to the worm, my mother or my sister, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Will it go down to the gates of death? Will we descend together unto the dust? Now God will add his blessing to that reading. Let's just come before him before we look at it together. Our Father, we thank you again for the opportunity we have to gather in this way. And we just seek your blessing upon us as we look at these words together, as we do it in your precious name. In the name of Jesus we ask it. Amen. Well, Job 17. Now, Job 17 is actually a continuation of what Job has been saying in chapter 16. There's no break in Job's reply to what Eliphaz has been saying to him in his second speech. Now, Job's sufferings, it, they continue. And he's reduced to having to refer to his so-called friends as miserable comforters, all of you. And we read that in chapter 16 and verse 1. And Job, as well as being physically, emotionally, mentally and spiritually tormented, he's now seen by everyone as an object of ridicule. And the accusations from his friends are that he's a guilty sinner, a guilty sinner receiving his just rewards from God. As the weight of his burden drags him down, his faith begins to strengthen. And to see this, we need to look beyond the agonizing words of anxiety and confusion and look at the state of Job's heart. You see, there is still no one on earth like him. 
He is still blameless and upright, and he is still a man who fears God and who shuns evil. So, no matter how others see him, this is how God sees him. And Job's words tell us that he still has hope, hope in his heart, hope in a resurrection, hope in a heavenly advocate. And he's ready to carry these hopes with him into death and through death. The previous chapter, chapter 16 and verse 22, last week we read these words. Only a few years will pass before I take the path of no return. You see, Job is ready to face death and to face death with the hope that he has in God. His heart tells him that what is happening is happening by the will of God. And Job knows that his pleas that he makes to God will be heard and they will be heard in heaven. And Job expresses his hope. And one of his hopes is that justice will be done. Again in chapter 16 and verse 18, Earth, do not cover my blood. May my cry never be laid to rest. This is a cry for justice. But the question is, who will stand as judge over the wicked and the godless? If we go to our Bibles and look at a time many years later, we see in the book of Jeremiah, that Jeremiah would ask of God basically the same question. This was when the people of Anathoth were plotting to kill him. Why is he, a godly man, suffering the threats of his enemies? Why is it that they seem to be avoiding God's judgment? Well, Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1. This is what Jeremiah says. And he's speaking to God here. You are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you. Yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? You know, this is the way of the world. And even in our day, maybe especially in our day, we see corruption, corruption which goes apparently unchecked. And sometimes we might hear the phrase, there's no justice in this world. Well, the truth is we might not see it in this life. But that doesn't mean that there is no justice. Many years earlier, in the beginnings of our Bibles, in Genesis, Cain killed his brother Abel. And in Genesis 4, verse 10 and 11, we read this. The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse, and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. I mean, go to the words of the prophet, and this is in Isaiah 26, verse 21. And Isaiah said these words, 
See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will declose the bloodshed on it. The earth will conceal its slain no longer. And then we can come into the New Testament where we have the words of Jesus as he challenges the, the Pharisees with these words. And this is Matthew chapter 23, verse 35 through to 36. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth from the blood of the righteous, Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I tell you, all this will come upon this generation. So let's stay in the New Testament and let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. And this is what we are told. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So we come back to Job and Job's hopes and his hopes in things yet to come. And as we do, we can think of Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12, uh, verse 10. Listen to this. And this is the scene in heaven. And this is yet to happen. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. You see, justice will be done. The truth will be heard. But in the meantime, Job, like us, has to reflect on the reality of life. And Job reflects on the reality of his present position and situation. And so we come to Job 17, as Job continues to speak. And here in the first two verses of this chapter, Job is looking inward. And he says, my spirit is broken, my days are cut short, the grave awaits me. Surely mockers surround me. My eyes must dwell in their hostility. So Job is a broken man. A broken man resigned to the fact that he now stands at death's door. And who, ironically, can do nothing about the hostile reaction from others and from his friends. He can do nothing other than to live with it. He turns away from himself and he turns to the only one that he can turn to. He turns to God. So verse 3 through to 5, he knows that only God can do what he is about to ask him. And he says in verse 3, Give me, O God, the pledge you demand. Who else will put up security for me? That's a short verse, but it contains a lot. And I think it's a help if we, if we go to uh, the dictionary for some definitions. And that will help us understand the words. Give me, O God, the pledge you demand. Who else will put up security for me? So a pledge. Well, the dictionary tells us it's a thing that is given as security for the fulfillment of a contract or payment of a debt. And is liable 
to for forfeiture in the event of failure. So there's another word, forfeiture. Well, the dictionary tells us this means the loss or giving up of something as a penalty for wrongdoing. So let's put them together. In other words, Job is asking God to promise him that he will make the payment, the payment for a debt that he, Job, cannot hope to pay. You see the gospel comparison here. It's a gospel comparison that we can recognize in this passage. And then verse 4, Job goes on, You have closed your mind's understanding, therefore. You have closed their minds to understanding. Therefore, you will not let them triumph. If anyone denounces their friends for reward, the eyes of their children will fail. So Job is saying to God, I know that you are in control and that you control everything. And that means that your control extends to the words spoken by my so-called friends. And Job's saying, now, you know why they are saying what they are saying. And you will deal with it. You will deal with, with it in your way. It is your prerogative to do as you will. God's will will be done, even when we and others might not understand it. And there's another gospel comparison. It was God's will that Jesus should suffer as he did. But let's read on in Job 17, verse 6 through to 9, where hope continues in things as yet unseen. So verse 6. God has made me a byword to everyone, a man in whose face people spit. My eyes have grown dim with grief. My whole frame is but a shadow. The upright are appalled at this. The innocents are aroused against the ungodly. Job knows what's happening to him. Job doesn't know why it's happening to him. And he questions this. And he also questions, why is it that the ungodly seem to be getting off scot-free? But in verse 9, we have this word, nevertheless. And that's a good word, nevertheless. That's irregardless of this. Nevertheless, the righteous will hold to their ways and those with clean hands will grow stronger. You see, despite all of this, Job's resolve inwardly is to stay righteous. This is his faith growing in the face of adversity. He probably doesn't even realize it, but we can see that it is. This is Job trusting that despite of what he and others think about it, He's trusting that God is still in control. Nevertheless, the righteous will hold on to their ways and those with clean hands will grow stronger. There's a word of encouragement for us when we're going through difficult times, when we're tempted to switch off from the things of God. It's the very time when we need to turn on to them. 
And Joel is doing this, and in some ways he's doing it unwittingly. His faith is supporting him, it's lifting him, it's encouraging him. His physical condition is continuing to bring him down. But he's got the fighter within him. And in verse 10 through to 16, it's like, bring it on, bring it on. And as you hear these words of Job, look for the battered and beaten boxer as he plants his tired feet firmly on the ground, puts his pummeled face behind his raised gloves, grits his teeth and continues in the fight, continues with a hope, a hope in his heart, a hope of victory. Let's read through those few verses as we think about these things. But come on, all of you, try again. I will find a wise man among you. My days have passed, my plans are shattered. Yet the desires of my heart turn night to day. In the face of the darkness, light is near. If the only home, home I, I hope for is the grave, if I spread out my bed in the realm of darkness, if I say to corruption, you are my father, and the worm my mother or sister, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? I will go down to the gates of death. Will we descend together into the dust? See, all his hopes are in the Lord. And if he's going to go down, he will go down fighting. And he will take his hopes with him, as he eventually will claim the crown of victory. He doesn't know that yet. But he hasn't given up. I think of the words of uh, Jesus when he spoke to Peter in Matthew 16, verse 18, and he said, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You see, death is defeated. Job said, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? This verse 15 is really a, a turning point for Job. And I want us to think about this. I was thinking also about the Stuart Townsend hymn, In Christ Alone. I'll just quote two of the verses as we draw to a close this evening. Verse 1. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. I'm going to go down to verse 8 of that hymn. It's relevant to what we've looked at this evening. No power of hell, no scheme of man, could ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I stand. This is Job. His hope is in the Lord. His hope is in things not seen. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for these words and we ask that you will just speak to us through them. If we are struggling, just give us words of encouragement. Let us know that you 
You love us, you care for us, you are there, even though we maybe feel that you are not. You know and you do understand. And our Father, we just pray that this might strengthen us as we go forward in your name and in the hope that you give us. Father, if we know of those who are struggling, help us as we seek to help them. And help us, not in our efforts to help, to be those who hinder. As we ask these things, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just as uh, we close, a um, little bit of homework, if you, you want to do this, it's more of an encouragement really. Um, if you read Psalm 24, Psalm of David, and just think about these couple of uh, things from that psalm. Here's a question that is answered in that psalm. Who will be in glory? Well, Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4, this is who will be in glory. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hearts, clean hands and a pure heart, who doesn't trust and idols or swear by a false god. In great words, those who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place. It's the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who doesn't trust in an idol or swear by a false god. And in that psalm, who will be there when we get there? Psalm 24, verse 7 and 8. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. So the psalmist tells us that he is the King of glory. He is our strength. He is our might. And we go forward in his name. Amen to that.